Hey there and welcome. You are listening to the Parkview Global Podcast. We are so excited for you to join the conversations between our Global Missions hosts and our amazing guests. Don't forget to follow our social media accounts at Parkview Global. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Parkview Global Missions Podcast. My name is Christy Mullen, and I'm Parkview Global's Mission Peace Plan Coordinator for Africa. Along with me today is my co-host, as always, Bill Carroll, our Global Missions Pastor. Hey, everybody. We're located in Orland Park, the south suburbs of Chicago. We invite you to join us each month as we talk with our global partners and learn more about the work that they do on mission. Today, we are really excited to introduce Pastor Wallace and Mary Kamau, founders of the Missions of Hope International. Hi, everyone. Mary serves as the executive director for Missions of Hope, and Pastor Wallace serves as the director as well as pastor. Many of our Parkview members um, have teamed with Mohi to sponsor Kenyan students in the Mohi schools, and so we have a special place in our hearts for both of these awesome people and the work that they do with Mohi. So welcome to the show, Mary and Wallace. We're super excited to have you here today. And we just want to start out by asking you to tell us how things got started in the Mathari Valley with Mohi. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for inviting us. We are so excited to be here uh, in the podcast. And uh, we are excited that uh, we have this opportunity just uh, to share with uh, you what is happening in Missions of Hope. And uh, I will ask Mary, uh, to share the story of uh, Missions of Hope uh, as, as we continue. Yeah, um, Missions of Hope started back in the year 2000. Uh, we started with 50 boys and girls aged 4 to 6. We rented a small building in one part of the community, actually the lower part of the community, uh, next to the Marok River, and it was really uh, a step of faith uh, we had felt God laying on our hearts to start uh, this uh, project or this center so that we could be able to reach out to the children who are in the slums of Madare together with their families. So it was just in response to that call and taking, our, taking that step of faith and trusting that God would lead us and continue leading us. And you guys actually weren't even married at the time, right? You were, you were, you were still single, right? Well, when we started Missions of Hope, we were married with two yep. children. Nice. Uh, but when we started working in Madare Valley, uh, it was prior to that, Wallace was attending another uh, Nairobi University, and I was attending Kenyatta University. And of course, we didn't know each other those days. But then, uh, as we, you know, after I accepted Christ, and we did the same, you know, separately, Somehow, God connected us to the same pastor uh, in Madare Valley, and that's how we actually ended up meeting with Wallace, because as a group of students, they would come from Nairobi University, work with this pastor, and then I would also come from Kenyatta University, work with this pastor, and then uh, one day, we just met with this young man in a prayer meeting, and then after we were married and had two children, is one when God really put it clear on that to us that he wanted us to start a hope center. So for, for our single listeners, would you suggest working in the Mathari Valley as a dating <laughs> dating prospect? 
Well, <laughs> it worked out pretty good for you guys. Well, it worked for us. Worked for us, and uh, I, I guess working for God in the, you know, the place where He calls you, I think He just opened the door for a lot of blessings. There you go. That's great. Uh, you can be sure if you are where God wants you to be, yep. you will not miss your blessings. That's Amen. I, yeah. I love that. So, so tell us about the, the valley itself. I mean, it, it's an amazing story in itself. Yeah, Madare Valley is, um, you know, uh, it runs for about three miles and uh, it's about half a mile wide. And within that uh, area, there's more than 800,000 people just uh, living. And um, it's very congested because of the number of people. And then uh, there are many challenges that they face. One of the thing, one of the challenges that they face is poor uh, sanitation, and uh, there is very poor infrastructure. So many of the social amenities that you'd expect in a community provided by the government are unavailable. And as such, uh, it's a place that uh, there are a lot of struggles. And uh, the people who live here uh, live on um, less than you know two dollars a day. Uh, and uh, so they are struggling, and um, there are many uh, ch other challenges uh, because there are lots of um, antisocial activities that take place: uh, drugs, drug trafficking, uh, you know, uh, stealing, and all kinds of things that uh, really uh, make life there very unbearable. And so you guys came in, and you, I mean. What was the step one? Like, did you decide, you know what, I think education is the, is the difference? Or did you come in and say, we need to change infrastructure? Or like, what was your first step when you guys begin to work in Mathari Valley? Well, uh, for, for me, uh, how I ended up working in Mathari Valley and, and then God just building on that. Uh, I was born in a family that is polygamous. My dad had two wives. A total of 20 children, and wow. I'm the seventh born of those 20. And so growing up, uh, we did not have much resources. And so I kind of hated poverty, and I wanted to work hard in school, be able to get a degree, get a good job, hopefully work in a bank and make money and not be poor. And so uh, that's how I, I made it to Kenyatta University. And then when I was there, uh, first year, first semester, is when I accepted Jesus. And uh, actually, it was more like being reconciled back to Jesus and making that solid decision that I'm going to be the follower of Christ. And no matter what happens, I am, I'm going to be stuck with him. And so uh, it's like uh, after that, I joined an evangelistic group that would go to different places to preach. And during one of those times, I met someone who had been born and brought up in Madare Valley. And this person told me about the slums and it sounded a place, like a place completely out of this world. And I wanted to go and see it for myself. And he took me there on a Saturday morning and that was the changing point of my life completely. I mean, wow. I do what I do today because of that Saturday morning that I was taken to Madara Valley. And just like what Wallace has said, seeing the kind of life 
the children and the families and the people were living there. I mean, it was it, it was it was unimaginable that that human beings can be let to live in a place like that. Mm. And for the first time, I felt so blessed in my life. Like I felt like the struggles in my family were nothing compared to what these people are going through. And I remember as I went back to college that day, I kept uh, asking myself, why can why is the government of Kenya allowing people to live like this? Why aren't Christians doing something about it? And the more I asked these questions, the more I felt like God was laying on my heart to do something about it. And of course, um, God gave me a real soft spot for the children. And I knew that uh, if, if I go back there every Saturday and have time with the kids, uh, hopefully, you know, I can reach out to their families and do whatever I can. Uh, and of course, I was just a college student. And mm -hmm. that is when, you know, in returning there every Saturday, that is how I got connected to this pastor who later introduced me to this group from Wallace's University. Wow. And somehow um, I remember working with these kids, like I would use my little pocket money and go buy like ripe bananas, share with the kids or buy some mandazi. Christy, when you come to Nairobi, you'll have some mandazi. I can't um, wait. <laughs> when you came. And uh, so I would buy some of those and, and share with the kids. And the kids were like always very excited. They started calling me teacher Mary. They would take me to their homes to see what was, uh, you know, to see their parents. And somehow that's what actually made me to feel that we needed to start a ministry, child and family-centered ministry. Because I saw whatever the children were going through, it is because of the things that were happening in their homes. If their families were poor and not economically empowered, then the kids were suffering and not being able to go to school. If, if, and I felt that if, if we can work with both the children and the families, it can be the be uh, fruitful and so later on of course after meeting Wallace in this prayer meeting and we got married and had these two children uh, it's when we felt God laying on our hearts that we need to to start this kind of a ministry and and child and family centered where the children give us an entry point to their families we are able to work with them evangelize to them economically empower them as well, but also uh, being there to help them uh, be socially empowered and so that they can be able to take care of their children better. And then, of course, the children, uh, the biggest need is education. Because yeah. when you educate a child, uh, then that child can be what God wants them to be. God uses that. I believe why God gave that revelation of education uh, is because it's a key to many things. And so, and for me, that is the same way. Like if I hadn't been to Kenyatta University, I probably would never have met this young man who took me to Madare Valley. And so I, I, because I knew how much education meant for me, we felt that education is what these children needed. And of course, as we educate them, we feed them, we take care of their basic health care, 
and we teach them the word of God. And that is very important for these children. And that is the best way to empower them, uh, spiritually and also physically and economically. That's great. And I mean, that's just the beginning of the story. So like, walk us forward. Now you're 20 years later. Like, tell us what Mohi has now entails and what and the school system and everything else. Uh, yeah, from, um, you know, uh, the fifth children that we started at the beginning, uh, that was back in year 2000. Now it is 20 years. And uh, we have seen a lot of growth uh, through <laughs> the faithfulness of God. And uh, the number of children kept increasing. You know, initially, I still remember in 2006 when uh, we sat down to plan on the growth of uh, the ministry. And we are talking about, uh, you know, uh, 30 per year, uh, because that's what was uh, practical at that particular point in time. But uh, it was very interesting that the following year, in 2007, uh, the number of children increased with uh, over 800. And, uh, <laughs> and that marked, you know, a turning point uh, in the ministry. After the first seven years of um, slow growth and um, uh, characterized also with uh, a lot of work in establishing a good foundation for the organization. Uh, so from 2007, we experienced what we will call exponential growth as the number of children increased and the number of schools increased as uh, God brought to us partners, uh, you know, like Parkview Christian Church and other churches in the U.S. that partner with us in different communities. And uh, to date, uh, as we talk and as we celebrate 20 years, uh, we have 25 schools uh, in different parts of the country and uh, over 20,000 children. And, <laughs> okay, uh, wait, wait, wait. Let, 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 let me say that again. 25 schools yeah. and 20,000 children. 20,000 plus. Yeah. God, thank you, God. That That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. And, and and all over the country now, not just yeah. in the Mathari Valley anymore. There and and you have elementary building buildings and then high school buildings as well. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. And um, it's not only just education. Uh, mm -hmm. Our ministry is holistic in approach. Yeah. And uh, once we have the children in our schools, they give us an entry point to their families, uh, uh, principally to evangelize to them. Uh, but uh, we also have other empowerment programs. And so alongside education, we have economic empowerment where we give out um, micro loans and train people on how they can be able to start businesses and run those businesses successfully. We also have a skills training program under the same. Uh, and then uh, we have a health program where we offer uh, preventive education and also curative services. And... Um, the, more, the, the most important is uh, reaching out to the community spiritually. So we do church planting. Every place that we, we have a school, we also want to have a church there so that uh, as people get saved, they can be discipled. And, um, you know, we can also grow, grow leadership in these churches. And uh, so that is the holistic ministry that we are doing. And uh, we feel that God has entrusted unto us a model of ministry that should be replicated in multiple places. That, that's beautiful. So 
a lot of our Parkview people have had the pleasure of coming to visit, but for those who haven't, I mean, their schools are gorgeous. Um, their, their main center in Pangani has, um, has a health clinic. It has a beautiful dental clinic. Um, it has, they have the job training center, which is not too far away where they teach uh, sewing, they teach uh, be- uh, beautician. It's, it's amazing and something everybody has to see. And even out by the high school, one of the projects that Parkview was able to be a part of was you guys actually bottle your own water, your own brand of water, which is amazing. I didn't know that. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, as, as part of uh, building sustainability, because we want these schools to continue even when uh, we are not here. Uh, we have a, a sustainability program, and uh, this involves uh, leveraging the resources that God has given to us to generate income that uh, can come back to do the work of ministry. And so the water bottling is one of them. Uh, we also have uh, a travel uh, and safari company that is called um, uh, Elpida. Elpida is a, is a Hebrew, meaning uh, hope. And wow. uh, so when visitors come, initially we used to hire, you know, other companies to take up, to take them on safari and transport them, you know, around the city and uh, to our other schools. But now we established a, a travel company and so we handle all that. And then... Uh, we have um, a guest house. We also do some farming in some of uh, the areas where we have uh, big pieces of land, like out in the boarding schools in the rural areas. And so we are able to produce food uh, to feed the children in different centers. And uh, the water bottling uh, company is one of our you know, flagship <laughs> sustainability <laughs> programs. Uh, and. Uh, our hope is that uh, we'll be able to come up with other ideas. Uh, and as long as they are viable, we will go for it because that way we are able to build sustainability. And I think the latest the latest uh, was during the COVID-19. Um, you know, we have uh, a production unit uh, going alongside the skills training program. And uh, so we do clothes production uh, and uh, what happened is that uh, we realized that uh, the masks that uh, were there in, um, I mean, in little outlets were not enough, and everybody needed to be using uh, face masks. And so we started producing, and uh, we made them in such a way that they were certified by the government standards organization. And uh, so we were allowed to make them and to market them uh, all across. And uh, we were also able uh, to make what we call PPEs, the, uh, the protective, um, you know, clothing for medical practitioners. And uh, they were also certified, you know, by the wow. government. And uh, so even though other places were closed, at least there was some production that was going on, and uh, we were able to generate some income for the ministry. I love that. And job creation, like you said, is really the key to sustainability and long-term change. So that, that, that that's amazing. Um, so what, one more thing that's obviously very close to Parkview people's hearts is Turkana. Will you tell us a little about how we got to Turkana and what developed there? Yeah, in Turkana, uh, by the way, I was there last week and I'm going oh, nice. to <laughs> Yay. Yeah, so, so in Turkana, uh, my husband always 
went to Rukana in 2009 with Keith Ham, one of the CNF missionaries. And when he came back, he kept telling me, Mary, the day you go to Trukana, we'll be able to start a hope center. We need to start a hope center in Trukana. And for me, I was like, why would we go to Trukana? There are so many kids in the slums, like all over Nairobi and other communities before you get to Trukana that need Jesus, you know, that need us more than, you know, instead of going all the way and it is so far, and someone has to take a flight, not unless you want to take two or three days on the road. I, I mean, so I, I kept telling him, oh, no, 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 you know, and all that. And 2011, uh, there was famine in Trukana, and the media houses all over um, were just highlighting about this famine, how people were hungry, how children and adults were dying of hunger. And one night, um, Wallace had actually traveled to the U.S. And so I was home with our kids, three children. Now we have three children, by the way. Uh, so, uh, and after news, uh, on watching the news, the kids started asking me, Mom, why can't we go and start a home center in Trukana and help wow. these children? And our little one, David, um, you know, by then he was, uh, he was like uh, hardly five, and he was like, Mom, you know, if we start a hope center, we can be feeding these children. When they come to our center, they can be getting food. And, you know, this is a five-year-old kid, and he's talking to me like the same way the dad was, had been talking to me like for two years. And I went to sleep that day, uh, that night, and I was like, wow, I can't, I can't sleep, I can't stop thinking about the pictures that the media had highlighted. And so the following day, I still remember it was on a Tuesday, and I went to Pangani, and we, and, and it happened that my assistant, you know, I was the executive director then, and so it was like, um, you know, Fred Juma, who was like my immediate uh, person, had called a meeting because they had also watched news so he had called a management meeting, and the whole one thing that they were to talk about was well, how do we respond as a ministry to the needs that we were seeing in Trukana. But even before I got into the meeting, uh, because of the experience I had had, I told my uh, my personal assistant uh, to call one of the other missionaries that were, you know, coming to the office in the same in our, at our Pangani complex, and so he came, his, his name is Jim, and he came in and he asked me, uh, I, I told him first to tell me what, you know, he had been looking for me, what did he want to talk to me about, and he told me, oh, Mary, I have been wanting to talk to you about the possibility of missions of hope considering starting wow. school in Trukana. And I was like, really? Are you sure? Why have you been thinking about this? And he's like, well, the needs there are so overwhelming. We are doing a lot of uh, farms and empowering people and going to uh, more and more villages and starting farms and irrigation and all that, but without education for these children. Mm. There is not much hope. And when he told me that, I told him, Jean, the reason why I sent for you to come to my office is because I wanted to ask you whether I can go for a vision trip to Trukana. Mm. 
Wow. That's how God worked. And yeah. then I get in the meeting yeah. and Fred Juma, of course, now, of course, you know, we agreed with Jean, you know, when I was to go and all that. So I get to the meeting and Fred Juma just starts talking about, you know, you saw all the needs that are being highlighted. What do you think we can do as an organization? Even though we are in the midst of very needy people here in the slums, there are others who are even worse off, you know? And so I was like, I'm, I'm going for a vision trip already. I've talked to Jean and I need another person or two to go with me. And almost 10 hearts went up. <laughs> go with me on the vision trip. But, you know, I picked one and then two, three other girls that were here doing short term mission work with us, uh, three American yeah. girls. And we went, uh, the five of us, and before we came back, we knew where the school was, the first school was going to start. And of course, we visited so many villages. And after, after that, we started praying and trusting God for partners. And Parkview came in in 2012 and committed to partner with us to start a school. So we were able to recruit uh, initially 320 children. Wow. All of them got sponsored in Parkview. And this was such an exciting uh, experience. It was so wonderful. It was like God just confirming and like really reassuring us that his heart was upon this ministry. And that's how we started the first school. Mm -hmm. And today, from so we opened the school in 2013, January. And as of today, that school has 1,473 students. And then we also have a high school that has 185 students. Wow. Amazing. And if I encourage anybody from Parkview, um, if you haven't been to Kenya, if you do go, I mean, Pangani is, is amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. And the, the whole, all the schools that are in Nairobi, but Nairobi is one of the world's largest booming cities right now. It's, it's, it's a, it's a mega city, but Turkana is across the country and it's in the rural area. And it's still, I mean, there are tribes living right on the edges of where the schools are at and everything. And it's, it's the Kenya that, you know, that you may have grown up thinking about and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's, it's two different worlds from, from, from Nairobi to Turkana. It's, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. yeah. So for for you guys, for, for Mohi, um, you guys are in a big shift right now. You got, I mean, you, you're kind of going a whole brand new direction. Will you tell us just, just a little bit about that? Uh, yes. Um, as I said, you know, we feel uh, at 20, God has entrusted unto us a holistic model that is impacting on the children, the families, and the communities in which we are working in, and we are witnesses. And uh, those of you that, uh, you know, from Parkview that have come are witnesses of the impact, uh, you know, the ministry is having. And so we feel a stewardship towards uh, replicating this model to other senior communities because there is no shortage of uh, such communities. And uh, we feel that uh, this is time that uh, we launch deeper. And um, so we have uh, uh, this expansion and growth strategy uh, where we feel that uh, now that we are celebrating uh, 20th anniversary, and we'll be celebrating officially, uh, it will be done virtually on uh, 4th of September. Uh, and so we invite you actually to be part of that celebration. Uh, Facebook Live. Yeah, on Facebook Live. 
and uh, another 20 days of activities that uh, will, will follow that and uh, there will be different activities all highlighting uh you know what has happened in the last uh, 20 years and also talking about our future vision and we uh, have it marked on our calendar already just so you know right. <laughs> oh, wonderful uh, Very excited so, for you. yeah part of um, the vision that we see in the future is that uh, we would want to have over a hundred thousand children in the next uh, 10 to 20 years and uh, you know another maybe eight, eight schools uh, in uh, different parts of the country and beyond the country. And by the way, we, we are already registered in Liberia in West Africa, and wow. uh, we, we are just waiting for international travel just to open up so that we can travel, recruit the children, and be able to set up. Uh, and wow. so we are excited about uh, the new phase of growth, and uh, that will go with um, a change in our logo which uh, we'll be able to reveal during our celebration on 4th of September. Cool. And uh, there are other uh, technological advancements that we are making so that we can enhance the experience of the sponsors uh, and other partners and give them opportunity to have more interaction with the children that they sponsor and uh, to be able to manage, you know, information uh, at the, on the palm of their hand because we have a mobile app uh, for the sponsors and also for our operations. And so we are excited about uh, the new enhancements and the new direction that we are taking. And uh, uh, we also uh, are witnesses of the same experience, uh, uh, same uh, excitement that um, our partners have. They're excited even as we share about this uh, vision. I'm really excited about that too. That mobile app is is going to be a game changer for those of us who are sponsors to be in in contact with our with our um, sponsor children. And so our family is really excited about that. Um, so you've kind of given us a big, whole holistic and global perspective of what's going on. We love stories. Could you kind of then narrow it down and and tell us a story or two? Um, about some some wins and some successes that you've seen through your work? Uh, yeah, I want to talk about um, one of our most successful, you know, um, children who came uh, to us who when uh, she was just uh, five. And uh, that, that girl is uh, called Jacinta. Uh, Jacinta joined our school when um, the mother, you know, um, was going through some struggles and uh, she was sickly and uh, she joined our school and uh, later on, you, you know, uh, the mother unfortunately passed on and so the girl was left as um, an orphan with her siblings and so effectively she became like, like the mother. And um, from that point on, we adopted uh, Jacinta and her family you know, what we call Mohi, Mohi children, and so taking care of all their needs. Uh, but uh, Jacinta uh, is a very, very hardworking girl. Uh, she was able to take care of our children and worked very hard in school. And, uh, you know, just last year, 2019, on the 23rd of October, she graduated from uh, law school, uh, and uh, she's an advocate of the high court. Wow. Uh, and uh, we are excited about what is happening in her life because she stands out as a model. Uh, and uh, 
she's coming from my mother area one and so other girls can look up to her and uh, see you know what is possible and uh, that is something that was not happening in matare and so effectively what is happening is that uh, through missions of hope we are redefining uh life uh, literally in uh, in that community and people value education more than they used to value because they see it now as a key to breaking out of the cycle of poverty which it was not there before and so we thank god that that is possible yeah and i can share a story about this woman her name is jane and jane um somehow uh was 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 introduced to us by our hiv and aids support group uh because we we also have at our health programs we have a support group we call it post test club and uh, these people meet uh every week and they encourage each other they learn from each other and they even do some other things together like to help them be economically empowered and so one of the members of the ptc uh, uh talked about jane because jane was bedridden she was having aids and very sickly actually people thought she was going to die but god had a different plan because uh this lady when he when she introduced um jane to missions of hope our social workers went made a visit and then they found out that jane had kids that were not going to school so they recruited the kids into our program into our school at pangani and these kids uh, of course started enjoying being at school being taught the word of god uh getting food getting all the school supplies because their mom was really sick but then uh, i think that kind of was a relief for jane because she she felt like uh, wow you know god has opened doors for my children and so that gave her like a lot of uh, will to live and to want to do uh to be able to witness what was going on in the lives of her children and she had been so stressed because her husband had actually abandoned her after realizing that she was sick with aids and uh and and the children and so he also knew that he had hiv and so it was really a, a bad situation there but god intervened that way and as the children were going on with education in our schools uh jane started recovering of course we were we would take we had a social worker take food to her you know like in the morning some breakfast lunch some lunch in the evening you know we'd always put aside food for jane and then within no time she started uh going for for antiviral treatment and then she became strong and she joined our chair program Right. and as she was in our chair program of course she ended up joining us joining the ptc at the post test club and then she later uh was trained for sewing in our sewing workshop and after that she was introduced to our microfinance program and wow. she was elected as the treasurer of the program and she started a clothes business so what she would do she would go to the market where they sell second hand clothes she would buy a lot of those clothes and then nice ones you know like really nice ones that she would know that oh i think my customers would love this and then uh she would sell them and then if something needed adjustment she did that using the sewing machine 
that he got when he graduated from our sewing workshop. And to, as of today, Jane is a good businesswoman and wow. strong. And believe it or not, her husband came back. And wow. now they live happily as a family. And that is transformation. And we have many, many stories like Jane's story that's, as well. That's beautiful. That's an amazing story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing both of those. It's good to see some insights into the work that you do. Mm -hmm. um, well, how about prayers? How can our listeners, how can we be praying for Missions of Hope and, and the children and the families there? Uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much. Um, one of the things that uh, is happening universally, and I know that um, you know it's the same on your side, is the COVID-19 challenge. Uh, this has meant for us that uh, children are at home, you know, since March, uh, and they will not come back to school until January. And as such, uh, you know, and uh, some of their parents have lost uh, their jobs, and so it's a big struggle. But we thank God that we've been able to uh, give food, food baskets, uh, just to give some relief and alleviate, uh, you know, um, uh, the challenges. Uh, and our prayers is that uh, these children will be safe because they are living in areas that are vulnerable. And uh, I mean, to observe even the COVID-19 protocols, like uh, just your distancing is impractical. When you talk about washing hands and, uh, you know, using the laundry soap and all that, there are many challenges there. And uh, we are witnesses uh, that God is faithful, he's protected them. And we are praying that uh, even for the time that is coming, that God will continue to protect them until uh, we resume school uh, in January. Uh, the other uh, challenge that that has presented is that uh, because of uh, the requirements of the government to observe the COVID-19 you know, protocol, that means that we have to increase uh, classroom capacity for the children as they come back because uh, we have to take fewer children per class. And so we have embarked on uh, the task of increasing the number of classes. Uh, some, in some of the schools, we are building new classes. And uh, for some, we have to rent. And so there's a budget to go with that. And uh, so we are trusting God that uh, between now and January, God will provide those resources. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, we also want uh, you to pray for us uh, during this period as leaders uh, and during this transition. It is uh, not easy, uh, but uh, God is faithful. We are praying for wisdom and uh, direction during this time that to be able to uh, manage, you know, this transition, and uh, that God uh, will give us the right kind of uh, leaders who are committed, even as uh, we start on this journey for the next uh, ten to twenty to twenty years. Yeah. Yeah, and also uh, pray for our staff members. Uh, one of the things that has uh, happened even during this COVID-19 that has been amazing is how our teachers and social workers have creatively uh, thought of ways to still reach out to the children and their families. And uh, what they do uh, is that uh, for families that have uh, smartphones, because they are, they are kind of, there are some kind of smartphones that are really cheap here, 
that some of these families were able to afford. Uh, those families, uh, they have what the teachers and social workers have formed WhatsApp groups, uh, some for mentorship, some for classwork, and some for evangelism. And it is to see the things that are happening uh, in some of those WhatsApp groups and uh, just, you know, like in the back, you know, somewhere just watching what is happening. And uh, it's it has been amazing just to see how our teachers and our social workers have become very creative in reaching out to them. And uh, one of the things uh, that happened, right, uh, when COVID-19 uh, was reported in Kenya, and schools were declared closed and ordered closed. Uh, our our staff were like praying and wondering how, what do we do? We we can't close and just stay at home and we don't know what our children are doing and what is happening with the with the families. And so we all agreed to make a prayer and trust God, uh, so that instead of running away from the from the, uh, or staying away from these families and the children. We, we said, let us put on our walking and running and working shoes and keep on working because these families, these children need us more than ever before. And I can tell you, um, none of our staff has died because of COVID. We praise God. None of our staff has, uh, you know, seriously been impacted by COVID in terms of being so sick. Yeah, we have a few cases that have tested positive that are among our staff, but they are they're still strong, they are no symptoms, and praise God for that. And yes. so uh just you know, let's pray and pray for us that God will continue to protect us because just like what the staff members said, that they can't stay away from the children and the families because they need us more than ever before. It is really true. We cannot say that we are going to stay home so that we be safe. Yeah, we have to observe protocols like wearing masks and things like that out here. And but we we still have to be with them and come alongside these families. And and it has been amazing. Like when Wallace was talking about the masks and uh, PPEs that we have been making and selling, we had to employ some of the parents. <laughs> to actually be able to get enough production being done at our production unit. And then um, the that we are doing right now, as partners help us and support us financially for each of the schools, we have quite a number of parents like welders and carpenters uh, and carbers that are working in our schools to make sure that they can, they can make sure that, you know, the schools are ready for when the time comes for schools to reopen. So that that is exciting and it needs prayer for us to keep to keep up that will, that goodwill and that um that creativity and that innovativeness and just keep praying for us. We definitely will be doing that and we we are so honored that you joined us today and and shared pieces of your story that that I know I wasn't aware of. So there were some new insights and I just, um, we're just so happy to partner with you and partner with you in Turkana and in Pangani and Nairobi, the whole, just everywhere. And we're super excited for the transition that is about to happen. 
for Mohi, um, you know we're cheering you on. We will be with you in September as you celebrate all of that. And we'll, we will be lifting you in prayer for all of the things you asked as well. Um, we can't wait to be able to come for a visit. Um, but in the meantime, this has been an amazing way to be able to kind of share some of your story with our listeners. So thank you so much for joining us today. Before we go, we want to let our listeners know that they can check out the show notes to find more information about Missions of Hope International, including opportunities to get involved by joining a team or partnering through child sponsorships. Of course, you'll also be able to see all the information on all of our global partners and ways to get connected to a life on mission, just like Mary and Wallace are. Um, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Peace and love, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank thanks, Bill so and Christine. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Uh, God bless you.